We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. Let's go to the Word. We're going to the book of Mark, chapter number 8. My voice is going to be a little struggling. I had 5 a.m. prayer meeting on Friday morning, and in the next following 36 hours leading up to here, this will be my sixth service. And so, yes, six. Uh, yeah, well, that's 36 hours from last night, so a little longer now, but here we go, 48 hours, six times. God's good. 5 a.m. prayer has been incredible incredible and so uh, God is good Mark 8 and 34 and when he had called and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also obviously this is Jesus speaking in your red letter Bible it will say he said unto them Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And I want to just preach for a little while another cross. Another cross. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for our friends and our family, for all the wonderful things that are happening here today, for the blessings that you've allowed us to have here at your church that we call Life Point Church Body. Thank you for it. ask you to touch us, bless us, move us with your message. Let us hear it, understand it, and respond to it. We'll give you all the praise and all the honor in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Give him a hand clap. God bless you. You may be seated. Is there anyone in the room that has has never seen the picture of three crosses? Is there anybody here that has never seen that? I think it is probably uh, one of the most common pictures. Brother Beckham, do you do you have do you have one for us? This is a picture that goes across all religious thinking. It goes across all lands. It goes across from one part of the world to another. What does the next picture look like? Three crosses. Look at that. That one's almost shaded by the clouds and the room, but if you look there, you see three crosses. Everyone could identify what that middle cross is. What's the next one look like, Brother Beckham? Look at that. Three crosses. Oh, that's so important. Is that the last picture of three we have? Just leave that up if, if you would until we get to reading. That is a picture that brings every one of us hope. Every single one of us know what that stands for. We have looked at these three wooden crosses on top of Mount Calvary, the hill of Golgotha. 
So many deaths occurred there and so much pain that it became known as the place of death and the hill of all. Not only because of the death, but because of the shape and the formation of the mountain at certain times of the day. And I could not find a picture, but I have seen it several times. And in many of your Bibles, you'll see that picture. That, that mountainside from a certain angle looks like a skull even. And so... It's, it's a place, a skull, it, it's a place, uh, the definition is a place of the dead head. It's a place where you only go for one purpose, and that's to die. However, that middle cross is the cross that we recognize and we know from Scripture because we know there was a thief on each side of Jesus, so we know it's not a testament and it's not an idea. We know that that center cross, that middle cross, is the cross that Jesus Christ bled and died on. Aren't you glad he done that for you? Aren't you glad that a Savior came? And on a cross similar to that, he died. There's two other crosses, it's two thieves. One was saved, one reached out for salvation and one rejected the man Christ Jesus even hanging from his own cross. I want to tell you that I don't want to take away the story of rejection. I don't want to take away the story of redemption. I don't want to do that. I don't want to try to erase those crosses. I want you to know that. But I want to tell you something. There's a cross that's more important than anything on that page besides that middle cross. That right cross and that left cross, those are important to us. But they're stories that just lead us to know about God's mercy and love and grace. In the end, we can call on him when we have fallen into felonious activities that have cost us our life. And even in the last few moments, he's a savior. But neither one of those crosses will save you. Oh, We're going to preach about another cross today. Those are important. One man saved, apparently. One man lost, apparently. Jesus in the middle, what hope? We have a choice today which side of that we want to be on. But he has required something of us. He has required of us that we take up our cross. There's a cross that's never been pictured. It's never been papered. It's never had a movie on about it. It's never been a blockbuster hit. There's never been a video made about it because it's an inward thing. It's another cross. Besides the one Jesus died on, those other two crosses are important, but they're not as important as the cross we're about to preach about. <laughs> Whoo. Let's go to Mark 8 and 27. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Who do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. Some say Elias and others one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. 
and he charged them that they should tell no man of him. This was and should have continued to reign one of the happiest moments in the history of scripture. It, it really should be a, a, a highlight in our mind and definitely is in the experience of the spirit-filled Pentecostal experience that we have. Some recognized Jesus. This should be front and center. It should be recognized far and wide that it was right here that somebody that had been walking with Jesus Christ recognized that he really was the Savior. This should have been a happy moment. It should have been something that they should have celebrated the rest of that day and week and months. And I don't know, maybe it should have even started a 40-day celebration like many in a 50-day, even a Pentecost 50 celebration. It, it could have been so wonderful. However, they did not realize the waters that they had just really waded off in when Jesus asked that question. Because things are about to change. Just imagine you're walking with the man and suddenly you realize it dawns upon you who you're walking beside. You're literally holding hands and walking in the same dusty footprints as Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one only true living God that came in the flesh to save us all. What a day that has to be. It has to be a celebrated moment. And it was but it was very short-lived. It was short-lived because he's about to teach the facts of what is to come. Let's read 31 and 32. And he began to teach them, Son of man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. The same man, two previous verses earlier, in the same, in the same stand, in the same uh, group of people. It's just a continual conversation. Just a few moments after Simon Peter realizes and speaks it openly, publicly, breaking every Jewish law. It was blasphemy from the very beginning according to the law. Everything was wrong with that statement. But when you know who you know, you're not worried about man's law. And so it was stated, thou art the Christ. And all of a sudden Jesus looks at him and he begins to speak to him. And he says, let me tell you something. I want you to understand that I'm going to go and I'm going to suffer. And that same Simon Peter that just declared to the world and to the eternal pages of this book called the Bible looks at Christ in the face and begins to rebuke him. That's almost unimaginable, but it also shows us what a relationship, what a friendship that they had. They, they, they were comrades. They walked together. They ate together. They together. They walked on water together for a spell. But I can't imagine looking the Lord in the eye and rebuking his plan. Watch how Jesus responds. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, this is 33, when he turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of man. The word savor right there, it's a taste. You don't understand it. You don't enjoy it. It, it doesn't have a savory feel to it. You, you don't even understand the things of God. It's, it's crazy how you just recognize who I am, but you still don't have an idea what the man is. 
You'd rebuke me in front of people and only you'd rebuke me. And he calls him the spirit of Satan and said, get behind me. I don't even want to look at you. I wonder sometimes people that acknowledge who he is and decide to walk with him and talk with him and dine with him and have miracles with him. When they rebuke his plan, I wonder sometimes if they'd want to say, just get behind me, Satan. I'm tired of looking at you. Because his plan's always fun. Oh. All right, we're going to preach a little bit. He said, you don't even savor the things of God. Only the things about men. 34 says this. And when he had called the people unto him, and see, it was his disciples when all that happened, so now he's called the group back that they had walked from. When he called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said to them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Deny, what does it mean? To affirm that one has no acquaintance or connection with someone. That's what the word deny means. To forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself and one's own interest. Deny. Deny what? What do you just deny, Lord? Sin. We get it. Where we're headed. We know what the Old Testament said. We know what the prophet spoke. We, we know we're supposed to deny sin. But here's the thing. It's another S word that Jesus wants us to deny. It's not sin. We've all been taught our whole life to deny sin. We know that. We understand that. We recognize that. We should follow that. But it's another word. It's a word that nobody really wants to deny. Nobody really wants to reject the fact that I am associated with this person. It's a word called self. He says, what I want you to do, I'm not worried about sin at the moment because sin comes with self. If I can get you to learn how to deny self, we won't have to talk about sin beyond this. I, I'm a little hopped up. Y'all, y'all forgive me. I've been at men's conference. Hey, we're going to have to deny ourself. It says don't even be connected or acquainted with the carnal lust of humanity. It takes care of a lot of things. But when he tells him to follow him, he says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross. What is your cross? He's speaking figuratively according to the study that I went into. He didn't say, you're going to have to take a cross because I'm going to have to take a cross. But what he was saying is the cross is where self dies. The cross is where personality is separated from spirituality. The cross is where ideas of the law are separated from ideas of grace. The cross is what separates me from what I used to be and it separates me from my addictions and from my chains and from my battles and from my fears and from my sorrow. He said, if you're gonna follow me, you're gonna have to take up your, but God, the cross is so heavy. We, we know what happened. It, it appeared that even Jesus collapsed under the weight of his cross and now you want me to take up a cross, but he's saying something altogether different. He says he's coming when you're gonna have 
have to deny your flesh what it lusts for and what it longs for. If you're going to live for me, you can't live for you. Are you ready? Some of this is going to sound like school. It's going to sound like marriage uh, conference. Some of it's going to sound like all kinds of stuff, but we're fixing to preach and we're going to do it the way I feel it. 35 says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose life for my sake and the gospel, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I want us to focus on another cross. Brother Beckham, do we have a picture of another cross? See, you don't see pictures like that much because most of the times depicted, we see all three of them because that's the historical picture. But this is a cross of a different kind right here. This is not the cross Jesus was on. It's not the cross right center or the left center was on. But this is our cross. And I want to tell you, if we're going to live God, if we're going to make it to heaven, there's going to have to be another cross in our life besides the one Jesus died on, the right one and the wrong one. There's going to be, have to be a cross that's called self. And I'm going to have to carry that to my destination, a place of the skull, Agatha's Hill, a place where I will give my life for eternity so that I spend it with his. Somebody hear me. It's been a long time since we've been challenged. I don't know talking to a husband, a wife, a young person, but I want to preach to somebody in this place. I don't, I don't know what answer you're looking for. I don't know what your cross is, but I want somebody to hear right now. You and you alone know what your cross is. It is your personality. It's your ideas. It's your opinion. It's your, it's your self-inflection on your own mind, thinking in your life. But what he said was, he said, until you're willing to separate and say, I don't even know that guy. It's why the Bible says we have a new birth experience. What is that? There's a new man born. What is that? The new man leads the old man and says, come on. That means they're not together in unity. There's a spirit leading the flesh. But until we're willing to go to our cross and carry our own cross and give up our life, Some folks will have to go carry a cross of pride. I want to tell you something. If, if every addiction in the world was combined with every lust of the flesh, I would argue and I would debate with you that pride is possibly the heaviest cross anybody will ever carry. Because a cross of pride, when you're down, you have to admit you might have been wrong. You might have been mistaken. You might have been the one that was wrong in the situation. And too many times our pride will not allow us to carry our cross to a hill and say, God, here I am. Give myself to you. Separate the bone from the marrow with your word. Separate friendships if you have to. Separate whatever you have to do. But when I leave this hill, I've got to know that the old man is not the new man because I have been carrying another cross. 
And see, I had no idea who all would be here today. So the Lord had this just set up just right. I didn't know who would be here. I see lots of visitors. I see some folks that are wayward from the Lord. And I see some good saints of God. You dress up nice. You look nice. You have the part. But the fact is, there's a little grudge or a little hatred or a little something that's brewing in your heart. There's a little pride. There's a little bit of something that refused to put on the cross. But Jesus said, if you're going to go with me, you're going to have to take up your cross. Your burden, your pain, your sorrow, your struggle, your addiction, the lust of the eye and the pride of life, and you are going to have. It's easy to name it and claim it. It's easy to say I'm a believer. It's easy to sign your name on a membership roll. It's another thing to pick up the cross of alcoholism. It's another thing to pick up the cross of drug addiction. It's another thing to pick up the cross of spousal abuse. If I look at you today, it don't mean I think anything about you. I just love to make contact with everybody in the crowd. I'm going to tell you something. There's some good men in the... Woo! Thank you. Ha! There's some good men in this room. Until you start treating that woman right. Do you know anything, Pastor? Not a thing. He didn't call you to be a grouch. He didn't call you to put your foot on her head. He didn't call you to look down on her. He didn't call you to declare she's second rate. Come on. Women have been a target for way too long for a society of Old Testament men. We're not going to let it spill over into the new birth experience. Somebody right now, the Bible said if you get a wife, you got a good thing. If you find a woman that'll love you, you got a good thing. You got to love that woman. You got to hold that woman. You got to love her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. It don't matter what happens. You said till death do us part. You hang in there. I'm going to get whipped for this later, but baby, I need you to help me preach a minute. Just one time, please. Just once. Please come here. Yeah, walk up here. She said, you want me to walk? I'd carry you. I'd, I'd carry you, but hey, I'm going to tell you something. In 30 years, we've been through a lot of ups. We've been through a lot of downs. But I can tell you this. Never one night have we spent apart for one another out of anger. I've been to some men's conferences. I've traveled a little bit of relation preaching and into another country a time or two over in the Canada, but I'm going to tell you something. Never, ever, ever, ever have we spent one single night apart. And I don't say that because I'm better than you, but I say it because of this. When I'm wrong, there's something on the inside of me that says take your cross and go to that woman and tell her you were wrong. Somebody here now, if you want it to work, if you want to make it right, listen to me, young couple. Listen to some, even some elders talking about getting married right now today. After service, I'm preaching to us all. It's number one in your life. There is no number two. There is no number three. The lust of the flesh never takes over your vows. When you're broke, you love her. When you're down, you love her. When you fail, you love her. 
There's only a couple of occasions in scripture where the Lord gives distinct, clear reasoning for walking away. Other than that, all ladies, it wasn't just going to be about the men. I didn't hear none of this at men's conference. It wasn't inspired at men's conference. Lord, me this in the wee hours of this morning. And then he verified with a text message. It's so incredible how God works. Because here's what happens sometimes. The ladies in the house think the man is just a doormat. Go make me the money. Bring me home the car. Give me a nice home. Make things right. When I ask you to do something, you do it on demand. And some of us men do it. I'll tell you right now. But I've never felt a spirit of abuse. Ladies, you don't think he's your husband? Yeah, you can. You can send him off to work on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday feeling like he's that tall at best, feeling like he has nothing to offer. He's a terrible daddy, a terrible husband. He don't know how to hold you when you're broke or love you when you need it. But here's what you got to do. We've got to deny our own lust and what we would want for ourselves and say, no, darling, what is it that you need today? See, the world is falling apart. Because hell hates marriage. He hates a man and a woman joining together. He hates what's going to happen here at 1.30 today. He despises that. He hates children being born. Because somebody might take on the name of Jesus Christ and turn away and take up another cross. Are we okay? Sister Beckham, how much time do I have? That's good. Thank you. If you're visiting, I have a 35-minute clock running, and she doesn't. She don't do it because she thinks she's stopping me. But at 35 minutes, she comes to the keyboard. Period. We either finish preaching with the music, or I'm done. I want to tell you something. There's plenty of pride to go around. There's plenty of lust to go around. There's there's plenty of selfishness. Kids wearing torn up clothes, going to school, being made fun of. You shop boots on the top shelf. I wasn't expecting so many guests here today. I'm glad you're here. I'm bringing a message to you today. It's born. Had a 30 days of prayer and fasting. Had a 5 a.m. prayer meeting in the prayer room. 5 a.m. prayer meeting in the prayer room. And then I reached the first service in men's conference. Worshiped through the second service. Led the first service of the next day and the second service. Then here with Brother David this morning, what an incredible word. And now I'm a little bit churched out if there's such a thing. We got a wedding coming. I'm a little wore out. My voice is a little rugged. But I'm going to tell you what's been birthed in me over the last few days is, boy, if you're going to go to heaven, you'll have to find another cross. He's already paid for sin. He's already died for it. But some of us have got to get over ourselves if we're going to make it. He didn't say put your sin down. He said put yourself down. I'll tell you why. Because if you put yourself down, you'll never have to worry about putting sin down because it'll die with the flesh. Come on, mom and daddy. Yeah, they might have heard you the first time, but that didn't mean it's time for a backhand. 
Oh, no, I'm not the parent in your home, and you're going to do what you want to do, and, and, and I understand it, but I just want to teach you some life principles for just a few moments. If you lower your tone a little bit, and I understand this because my three daughters would all stand here today. They would all stand and say, he's telling it right. I only had one way, and that was say it once and then shout it. But the older I've gotten and the more I've listened to the word of God, I've realized and I've recognized. Let me tell you something, ladies. Your husband might make some decisions you don't agree with. If he's a Holy Ghost filled man, if he's right with the Lord, and if he don't have bitterness or, or any ulterior motive going on, you've got to recognize who that man is in my life. He's got the steering wheel. Now, if he's heading to the ditch, you got to reach over and grab the wheel. You don't go to the ditch because he goes to the ditch. Oh, come on. There is a time in a place where even it comes down to your soul. Folks, how many times could it be that our children would, would walk into school with their head held high on a Monday morning after church on Sunday or a youth activity or a Sunday school event and they go to school and feel so beat down because mom and daddy's supposed to be living right and they've done nothing but squabble all week. They don't want you to have. You're tarnishing marriage. You're tarnishing relationships. Lay that pride down. Submit before God. Take up your sin. Take up yourself and see to it. Now, unless it applies to you, don't think I'm picking on you. We got some guys in here. Matter of fact, we heard about some of it this morning. Brother David runs runs every morning. We got some guys that a lot, spend a lot of time on, under some weights here and there, and some guys are in great shape and built up good. I want to tell you something. I respect you because you're not lazy. I respect you because you tried to keep yourself fit. I, I, I respect you. It doesn't mean I disrespect everybody else. I just respect your acts. I respect that. But here's when it's a problem. When you've never taught a Bible study because you don't have time. When you've never been to a prayer meeting because you don't have time. When 5 a.m. is too early for the prayer room, but it's not, and I'll just use Brother David because he's already it, but it's not to go run five miles. Is all right? What that lets me know, I'm more important to me than what I think about he. It's more important to me that I get my run, that I get my time in, that I get my moments in, because I got to keep looking good. You ought to. That's what you ought to do. You ought to run at four and pray at five. 
See, so many times, the first things we give up is the things of God. I've got to run, but I don't have time to pray. I got money for a new boat and a new jet ski and a new deer rifle and new golf clubs, but I hadn't seen an envelope in five years. I want to tell you something. We better start giving up self. See, y'all took that that it was about me and it wasn't about me. It was about you. There's another cross we got to pick up. We can build a new house when we need a new church. We can buy another toy when we need a new church. We can start another savings account when we need a new building. Do we believe the word of God? I, will, I, I just wish the men that were at men's conference would help me right now. I wish just you would stand and help me right now. Come on. Hey, let me tell you something. Can I, can I fuss at you a minute? It'll be, it'll be okay. Can I, fuss at, can I fuss at you? This is fussing. Can I fuss at you? These guys stood up the whole time I was preaching. <laughs> he, he finally had to tell them, y'all can't sit down because there's not a seat for me. That's what the preacher said when the men wouldn't sit down. Didn't he? He said, y'all are not allowed to sit down for the remainder of this service because there ain't a seat for me. That's not fair. You know, I, I love these guys. I'm just, I'm just picking on just a little bit, but I'm going to tell you something. Sometime we go to preacher religion and song religion. Oh, if you're singing a whole rugged cross. But you start singing Freedom. Now let me take it the other way. Oh, cross, that song so old. Let me tell you something. If you don't get a hold of it, if you can only dance with the new song, if you can only worship with the new song, if it seems the Holy Ghost only moves over you in your certain favorite song, you probably still carry into itself. You probably self-identify too much. And it's time to separate yourself from the old man and have a real new birth experience. Get red. Somebody help me worship him right now. Put your pride aside for the 30 seconds and just give it to him. Say, God, I'm all, I want to be on the cross. I want this old flesh to die in favor. Come on, that's not seconds. That's not 30 seconds. He healed you. He delivered you. When you were on a breathing machine with COVID, he delivered you. He brought you out. Don't you spare that breath for something else. You've been through a nasty divorce and through a tough time. Bankruptcy's been the only option, but let me tell you something. You're still standing. You're still a man of God. You're still a woman of God, and he's gonna bring you through this. You just gotta keep carrying another cross. Come on, somebody help me for just a few moments. Now, Pastor, y'all don't have to keep standing, man, unless you want to. I don't care if I have a seat or not. That's Brother Tuttle's line. Hey, you know, tonight something's going to happen. Isn't it, Brother David? Something's going to go down tonight. The Dallas Cowboys. 
are going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the game of the week. And I hope they tear Brady's legs off. Now, I call my son-in-law out because that's his sports idol. I get it. He's a legend. He's a goat. But hey, let me tell you something. There will be uh, 5, 10, 15 million. I don't remember how many they say uh, will view this. Millions upon millions. There will be popcorn and pizza and beer and wings at every apartment complex and housing addition in the nation. They don't care how much they spend. They won't worry about stripping a gear or hurting their back or rolling an ankle and they won't have too much pride. (laughs) Brains will come out. There'll be more money gambled away and lost tonight than we can imagine. But until we... But until we start carrying that cross, it's more important than my run. It's more important. It's more important in my case than my 12 pack. Hey, it's more important, folks. God has allotted us this time and this power and this word to separate ourselves from the old man. Oh, I used to party and drink crowds and do drugs and I did a lot of things. I don't want to go into my testimony. It's, it's not important at the point at this moment. I don't want to happen. When I came to the Lord, it didn't feel good, y'all. It didn't feel good. Brother Jamie, it didn't feel good. See, some of your minds are blown right now. What do you mean it didn't feel good? It was the greatest feeling I ever had. But those first few feelings when the sword of truth was dividing the marrow from the bone. It was digging in me and causing me to change and causing me to bleed and causing my mind to go, how will I make it from here? What will I do? How will, how will I go on without this? And how will this work? And I know this has me hooked. And I'm, I'm in trouble, Lord. What will I do? And he just said, take up your cross. Too many people are trying to get rid of their sin. When you, you don't have the ability to do that, his cross settles the sin issue. You've got to settle the self issue. I've got to settle the self issue. John Walker. It done my heart good. Cause I know you, I know your past. We've talked. We've had plenty of conversations. It done my heart good to see you standing on the platform of Life Point Church holding a newborn baby named Judah. See, some don't get it. You know why? Because you hadn't taken your cross. He said, some won't see the kingdom 
much less experience it. See, when you see a man like John Walker stand right here with his child and his family in church, that's seeing the kingdom. If it don't your heart, you better check yourself. Caleb, how you doing? Stand up. Don't be nervous. Are you still baptized? All right. Yeah, you didn't go undo it, I'll guarantee you. Hey, here's what I want to tell you. The enemy would like to say, you're a nobody. We baptized seven or eight people here in the last month. You're a nobody. You're nothing. You're a failure. You'll never amount to anything. You'll never fit in. That's a lie. Straight from the pit of hell. As soon as we can carry our own cross. Brother Tony, just standing right there, Brother Tony Webb. When we said our last goodbyes, Sister Faye, where are you at? Okay, she's right behind and she can hear me. Sister Faye, I love you. When we said our last goodbyes to my Uncle Tom Hathcock, Sister Faye's husband, my dad's younger brother, Sister Glenda's older brother, when we said goodbye to him, Tony and I had a conversation. It was a conversation that caused him, maybe not that conversation caused it, but we recognized it, that he was going to have to take up a cross. Because here's what he said, and this is no secret, this is no private, this is no, this is no big hush-hush. He said, when Papa died, I realized I was the next man in line. And if the children... He wasn't living for God. If the children and grandchildren were going to make it, I was going to have to pick up the cross and walk. And that is two pews. Mary, you ought to get up and get her husband a hug. Celebrate him. Here's the question I have for you. And nobody likes this. I hated it like I hated the devil when I'd work with my dad because he was a, I worked for him for a long time and I worked for Dave Burke and they could drive you, boy. They didn't much lead you, but they could drive you. Truly, those two men and Paul Hutchins they were all, I never worked for too many leaders. They, was, they were drivers. They loved you, but you're just going to do it. Let's make sure we don't do something in our homes. Let's not do something in our marriages. Let's make sure we don't do something with our children. That would cause them to resent who we are and what we claim. Every man in this building needs to hear me right now. Is this something you ought to do? Is this something you have to do? No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just your pastor. I just lead by example. That's all. I bring, I bring a word to you. 
I won't say it happens 100% of the time, and it's not a pat on my back. It's just me letting you know one of the reasons I've had 30 good years of marriage. I still open the door. I still tell her she's the most beautiful woman in the room. Nothing settles me when I walk in the house to that 103 pound putting a bear hug on me and telling me how good I am. I hear you, isn't that right, Brother James? It's a fact, nothing. I can have the worst day. I can feel like I'm, I'm, I'm fighting hell. No help and no support. And I can walk in the house and she can say, Hey, darling. And the world around me melts. Men, if you're meltable, you might not be a real man. Ladies, when you're hurting so bad and that man looks at you with all the faith in his heart and his mind and he puts his arms around and says, Darling, it's going to be all right. If that don't touch your heart, your marriage needs help. Sir, you're not always right. Ma'am, you're not always right. Your children are not always wrong. I know, I just went to 41 minutes. But I'm asking you to give me four more. Hear me. You got to get it together. Why did you fall in love? What attracted you to her? Oh, don't blurt it out. I made that mistake before. Had something to do with a water fountain and I won't repeat it. You looked at her and something on the inside of you said, "Uh uh-huh. What made you fall in love with him? You said, I can see it. My grandma and grandpa Roland taught Missy and I how to do it. We were their neighbors. Literally had a piece of property divided. Not that my parents hadn't done it after 60 years, but they were married 68 years when they died. And they were as affectionate the day before he had his stroke as they were when they were 15 and 16 years old. Fact. I heard it from both of them's mouth. Her with a sheepish grin. He with a proud look. You get but still got it, boy. You may tell you why? Because he still looked at her. Like Jesus Christ does the bride. And he says, you're not perfect, but to me, you're all I need. If you'll just submit. It's marriages and he's coming after yours. There'll be some of you that won't be able to avoid it. Because he or she just won't do it right. There'll be nothing you can do about it. And I understand that. Yes, I believe in miracles and we've tried it all and it hadn't worked to this point. So all you can do from here is go forward. But I'm going to tell you to everybody else, Brother Sneed, is she fun? 
Sister Sneed, is he still the one? We're still having fun and you're still the one. Let's stand. The reason I brought my dad and my other two former bosses in life was because of this. The one thing that I've always hated, come on singers, with a passion, with an absolute passion. Hear me close, please, nobody leave yet, please. One thing that I hated was for somebody to call me lazy. I'd just soon fist fight than to be called lazy. So I'm not going to call you lazy. But I'm going to ask you a question. Are you lazy? I can run. I can hit the gym. You know what's incredible? We're, we're in the eighth day, ninth day, tenth day of 30 days of prayer and fasting. And it's been the hungriest 10 days of my life. I ain't ever been more hungry, brother, than, than I have been in the meal I'm missing right now. You know why? Because hell hates it because I'm taking up my cross. But here's what's crazy. We'll spend thousands of dollars on a diet. We'll miss more meals than we need to to try to look good. And we should. Do what you got to do to be healthy. Live a long time. Impress your spouse. You ought to still want to do that. 